Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you today. I have a little bit of a cold, but I will nonetheless soldier through and learn with you. Tractate uh, Kitubot, page 59, or Nun Tet. By now, if you've been in this tractate, you know that marriage is, among other things, in classical terms, an economic relationship. One hopes it's not only an economic relationship, but clearly a partnership between a man and a woman is at least uh, partly conditioned in classical terms by their ability to make a functioning economic household. We in the modern times, especially those uh, influenced by feminism, know that there's a damaging element that uh, you know that, that appears if we think that men are providers and women don't work, or women just you know keep house and that's not an important uh, an important scene as an important role. Clearly, in ancient times, there wasn't that private-public distinction, and women were certainly extremely hard workers and extremely important economic contributors to the house. And on the bet side of our page, we get one of the most important articulations of what women did economically to contribute to a functioning household. This Mishnah records what it is that a woman is supposed to contribute economically to a household, in which if she doesn't uh, do herself, she must find some other economic method of contributing, that is to say, household servants that she brings with her at the time of the marriage. The previous page had articulated that in a marital uh, economic arrangement, the husband is supposed to have to provide for the wife's maintenance, her food, and that the things that she does to contribute economically are not the essential uh, requirement of marriage, but the subsidiary, the, the result of his having to pay her mizonot, her food, so the product of her economic contribution is in recompense for that, meaning that the woman uh, can uh, choose to forego her sustenance and choose to forego her work. But as long as she is being uh, sustained materially with, with food and other necessities, she is required to bring something positive, some economic positive contribution, either doing it herself or through uh, those servants who work for her, uh, having, having them do it. And that is the subject of our Mishnah, on the back side of the page, 59b. Eilu ha-melachot, or ve'elu, and these are the melachot sha'isha osa These are the labors which a woman must do for her husband. Tochenet, grind, ve'ofa, bake, u'mechabeset, do laundry, mevashelet, cook, u'menika et bena, and to nurse her child, u'metza'at lo hamita, and to make the beds, and to spin wool. If when she got married she all brought in with her one uh, female servant, the servant picks up the first two of those labors, first three rather, uh, she need not grind the corn, grind the grain, nor bake, nor mechabeset, nor do laundry. If she brought in two servants with her, she need not cook, nor uh, nor uh, nurse the children. Presumably that means 
uh, if she brought in a female servant, that woman's uh, 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 labor would be so productive that the man could afford to pay a maidservant, not that the maidservant, the, the nursemaid, not that the servant was necessarily herself lactating, but uh, that the husband could pay for such a, uh, a wet nurse. Shalosh, if she brings in three servants, ein mitzat lo hamita If at three servants, she need not make the beds nor uh, spin the wool. Arba'a, but if she brought in four servants, yoshevet bakatedra. She can just sit on the throne. It means she doesn't have to do anything. She's strictly a kept woman. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer demurs though because he thinks that that's a, a problematic dynamic in the relationship. He says, Even if she comes with a whole retinue of a hundred servants, She must, in fact, spin the wool. Uh, because if she has nothing to do, she is likely to get involved in bad behavior. She's likely to have an affair. Ravan Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Af hamadir et ishto mila asot milacha, even if a man were to take a vow that his wife must not work, that she must sit at home as a as a kept woman sitting on the sitting on the cathedra, sitting on the throne eating bonbons, yotzivi ten kituba, they he should be forced to divorce her if he tries to compel her not to do anything productive, shehabatala for idleness. That will bring her to a kind of malaise or almost kind of a madness that comes from sheer boredom. It's actually a very interesting, very interesting idea here that uh, in Rabbi Eliezer's case, a woman who has nothing to do is likely to get herself in trouble because of her Yetzer Harap. But Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel's idea is that if a woman has absolutely nothing to do, she's going to have a terrible life and she's going to be kind of driven mad. So people, all people, Men and women and, and householders and, and housewives uh, must, in fact, do something productive or they will be driven mad. This whole Mishnah gives us a kind of uh, window into what economic uh, necessities must have been like in the ancient household. You, you gotta, you got to grind the grain, you got to make it into bread, you got to cook the food, you got to make the bed, you got to wash the clothing, and you have to nurse the children. Now, this gives a rise to another interesting and very brief discussion at the bottom of the page, uh, which we'll carry on over to the next page as well. What happens if, for whatever reason, uh, she's mad at the husband or, or whatever it is, it's kind of hard to imagine this happening in real life, but a woman vows that she will not nurse the child. She just won't. She just refuses. Beit Shammai regards that as a valid vow. She can, in fact, vow not to nurse the children, but because her, uh, her economic labors are subsidiary to her sustenance, she can forego some of her sustenance and... She doesn't have to nurse the child. Beit Hillel says that's no vow at all, and she simply must nurse the child whether she wishes to or not. Beit Hillel goes on to say that if subsequent to this spat, they divorce, and the woman still says, I am not nursing the child, and she no longer is in a continuing economic relationship with the husband, the husband is responsible for the child's sustenance, and the woman says, that's it, I simply refuse. Um, she is not compelled to nurse this infant. However, if the child is old enough to recognize the mother, we're not talking about a newborn, a new, new, newborn, but we're talking about a child old enough to recognize the mother, then the mother, whether she wishes to or not, simply must nurse the child, because otherwise it would be dangerous for that particular child. And our page will go on, actually at the top of the next page, we'll ask, 
how how quickly how young is it that uh, that a child is presumed to recognize the mother and a couple of different dates are proposed uh, three month old or 30 days old it's a little hard to imagine a month old baby recognizing uh, his or her mother as opposed to other women or 50 days and then we get a nice little uh, interesting vignette so there's a case that comes before Shmuel now I'm at the top of 60 case comes before Shmuel and uh, and he says Shmuel says to his uh, assistant, uh, Rav Dimi Bar Yosef, Zil Badka, go check her out. Go check this case out. Azal Otva Bedare Dinashe. And he goes and makes a lineup of women. And this woman who refuses to nurse is one of them. Vishakle Lebara. And he picks up the, the student, Rav, uh, Rav Dimi, picks up the, the baby and walks along the line of women. Kamehadar when he carries the baby among the women, and when the baby reaches that particular woman, the baby looks up at her with a big smile on his face, and she ducks her head away from the baby. And Rav Dimi says, Rav, Rav uh, Dimi comes and says, or perhaps Shmuel comes and says, lift up your eyes and take your child. So she tries to, it's a crushing, sad story here. Um, the, the human pain is almost felt through these, through these hundreds and hundreds of years. She tried to avoid nursing the child, but the child recognized her, so whether she wants to or not, she has to come through. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.